Between the sixth and seventh seal in the book of Revelation, we have an interlude, a chapter that separates the sixth and seventh seal. And what happens in that chapter is very intriguing, and it relates to the timing of the rapture. We have the sealing of the 144,000 and a great multitude that appears in heaven. The timing is intriguing. The hope there is deep. And we'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part one of Revelation 7, the 144,000 and the great multitude. Revelation 7 verse 1 says, After this I saw four angels, Revelation 7, 1, standing at the four corners of the earth. I think the four corners there are best taken as the compass points. You can think of, you know, east, west, north, and south. Uh, You can think of a worldwide uh, situation here. Four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Notice they are holding back the four winds of the earth. Uh, the, the winds are really what gives us rain, and so they're holding back the four winds so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Now, we have a key phrase here in chapter 7, verse 1, right at the beginning of the verse, it says, after this. So whenever you're reading your Bible, that's something to highlight because you always have to ask questions when studying your Bible, and you should say, well, after what? After this is after what? Go back to Revelation 6, look at verse 12. As we've been going through the seals, we've come to the sixth of seven seals. I looked, says John, 6, 12, when he, Jesus, broke the sixth seal, seal number six, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. The whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Now, the sixth seal is what I would call the cosmic sign. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The sign that the age is about to end is here at the sixth seal. The sign is some sort of cosmic uh, situation where the luminaries, the sun, moon, and stars, no longer shine their light, at least for a time. The natural lights go out. The natural way of thing ceases. It is interrupted by the hand of God. The sixth seal is broken. Jesus is sovereign over it. There's a great earthquake, which is a uh, kind of a uh, something we see in divine visitation, like at Sinai. The sun becomes black as sackcloth made of hair. We just had, you know, everybody was fascinated with the uh, eclipse that we just had, right? And special glasses and all of that, so we understand some of that. The whole moon became like blood. We've heard of the blood moons. Uh, A lot of people were speculating about the meaning of the blood moons. Uh, A couple of them are falling on actual feast days of Israel. What does that mean? Is there any meaning at all? How typical is this? And I warned you that just to be careful that, you know, we don't uh, become... uh, 
fascinated with these things and lose our perspective. We can look at them. They can be interesting signs to take note of. They may mean that something's about to happen in Israel. There's been some pattern of some things like that, but we have to be very careful. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. I showed you other places where it says the stars no longer give their light. So we have the sixth seal and we have this sign. What is the sign of your coming? I believe that the sign of the second coming of Jesus Christ is this simple. The natural lights are going to go out. The sign that will precede the second coming of Jesus Christ is a darkened sky. When it's supposed to be light, it will be dark. I do not believe, based upon the language that is in the Bible in multiple passages that we've shared in the past, at least some of us, that this will be a natural phenomenon. I believe that this will be supernatural. I believe God will do something supernaturally to make it unmistakable. Jesus said his second coming will be like a lightning strike from the east to the west. He said, to put it in modern vernacular, it will be as plain as the nose on your face. No one will miss the second coming of, of Jesus Christ. In fact, it says all the tribes of the earth, Revelation 1-7, will mourn when they see him coming. No one will wonder what happened. In fact, if you keep reading in chapter 6, verse 15, it says the kings of the earth, when they see this cosmic sign, and the great men, the commanders, the rich, the strong, every slave and free man, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They know exactly what's going on. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. We've been seeing uh, him in chapters four and five, God the Father. And from the wrath of the lamb, we've seen the son, the lamb worshiped right in the presence of the father. For the great day of their wrath, the father and the son has come. And here's the question, who is able to stand? Malachi 3, verse 2 says, who can endure his coming? Revelation 6 is another way of quoting Malachi 3, verse 2, if you want to write it down in the margin. The question is asked, and it should be asked of all of us. If we were here to experience the cosmic sign of darkness and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the way, we've seen in Matthew 24, he's coming with all the angels, probably billions of angels, who can endure his coming? Who will be able to stand on that day? Who will not cower in fear, run for a cave, cry for a rock to fall on them? I'll tell you who. The ones that will be able to stand on that day will be those who are standing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. They will look up and their redemption draws near. Others will be hiding, but the people of God will be saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Yes and amen, his promises are true. In the book of Joel, hopefully you've held a place in the book of Joel, there's a couple of prophecies that match what we've seen in regard to this day of the Lord. And I, I rattled off a bunch of them last time from Isaiah 2 and other places. But here's Joel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. So hopefully you're there. If you're not there, just write these down. Joel 2.11. Joel 2.11 says, the Lord utters his voice. Joel 2.11 before his army. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. 
The day of the Lord, that's that phrase that we've been talking about, is indeed great and very awesome. And here's the question, and who can what? Who can endure it? Malachi 3.2, Joel 2.11, both ask the question, who can endure this day? Who will be able to stand? Skip down to Joel 2.28. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. We've been hearing about dreams and visions in the Islamic world uh, quite a bit and uh, verified by a lot of reputable sources that there are people, especially in the Islamic world, that are having dreams and visions about Jesus without even a Bible in many cases. They are dreaming about Jesus. He's appearing to them in dreams and saying things to them about salvation and the true God, which is really interesting. It says in verse 30, I will... Uh, display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. What's your Bible say? Before, mark it, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, what will, what will happen? Verse 31, the sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. Before, before the day of the Lord comes, this sign is given by Joel. And it will come about, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. That's our famous uh, verse that we quote all the time from the book of Romans. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Go down to Joel 3. Look at verse 13. Joel 3, 13 says, put in the sickle. We're going to see this imagery, harvest imagery later in Revelation. Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come tread for the winepress is full. The vats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And then notice the sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. So again and again, I could give you many others. We've looked at ones in Isaiah 13 and other places, but we see this sign. In Matthew 24, just to remind us, uh, flip over there to Matthew 24, we see Jesus talk about this very thing, and he's been going through the seals as he preaches on the Mount of Olives. He's taken us through uh, the seals. We've compared Revelation 6 with Matthew 24. If you didn't hear that message, go back and get that. But Jesus then says these words, Matthew 24, 29. He says, 24, 29, but immediately after the tribulation of those days. So you find Jesus saying the same thing as Joel, the same thing as John. The sun will be darkened, Matthew 24, 29. The moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Just a note about scripture, just really quick, for those of you who are you know, thinking about why is the Bible a unique book? Do you see that multiple authors are saying the same thing? They often live hundreds, even thousands of years apart, and they say the same thing about similar events. This is the idea of prophecy, and it's being verified from Old to New Testament from, it's called, scholars call it multiple attestation. When you have attestings of multiple individuals seeing something or saying the same thing, you can see it's being verified. There's a, there's a, a, a symmetry is the best way to say it. So Jesus says, you'll see these signs, you'll see the powers of the heavens, end of verse 29, they will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. 
So the sky has been darkened. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and he will gather together his elect from the four winds. Now, we've seen this description in Revelation 7-1, the four corners, the, the winds being held back. The four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now, in the book of Luke, in chapter 17, I referred to this last time, but go over there, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jesus gives two illustrations about the nature of his coming and what it's going to look like. And he uses two illustrations from the Old Testament, Luke 17, and this is in verse 36, 26. Luke 17, 26. It says, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, first illustration is Noah, Luke 17, 26, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. That's another way of saying Jesus Messiah. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage. All things that we would say are normal things, right? People do eat, people do drink, people do get married. Uh, no further commentary on that. <laughs> I was going to try to say something funny, but never mind. They were being given in marriage. So all the normal things that we would expect to see, there's weddings every weekend, people eat and drink all the time. They were doing the normal stuff until what? Until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. Second illustration, first is Noah, second is Lot. The first is from Genesis 6 and following the second from Genesis 19. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, stuff of everyday life, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, what happened? It rained fire and brimstone from heaven. And again, Jesus says, it destroyed them all and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. In what way will it be the same, you might say to Jesus, if you had a chance to sit with him and chat? Here's how it will be the same. Noah was sealed into the ark. Everybody was going about business as usual, ignoring the preacher of righteousness. 2 Peter 3.5 says Noah was a preacher of what? Righteousness. Extra biblical accounts say he was putting the ark together and people were laughing at him. He was the joke on the front page of the newspaper in the opening monologue of 
you know, nighttime shows. Oh, nutty Noah, there he goes again, building his ark. And God sealed him in the ark, and the flood came and took them all away. Jesus says, second illustration will be like Lot. Lot was being what? Pulled out of Sodom and Gomorrah by two angels. Did you notice in Matthew 24, Jesus said he's going to send forth his angels and they will gather together his what? Elect from the four corners. Did you notice two angels pull Lot out? Very similar to what Jesus says in Matthew 24. And they say, we can't destroy this place until you're out of here. And as he's being pulled out, what happens? Fire and brimstone rain on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot's wife doesn't even make it. Apparently, she looks back. She, we know she looks back, but apparently she gets caught up in the, the uh, destruction from God or the judgment of God. And Jesus says, it's going to be the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Now, just think with me. What day have we been talking about? The day of... The Lord. Who's the Lord? Jesus is Lord. When Jesus comes, that will be the day of the Lord. It'll be the day when the Lord Jesus is revealed in power and great glory. And Noah and Lot are two illustrations of how that day will be. There will be a lot of preaching like there is today, a lot of warning. There will be the seals that have been broken. There there will be the 70th week of Daniel we've been talking about. And Jesus goes on. He says, on that day, 31 Luke 17, let not the one who's on the housetop, uh, who, is in the, who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house go down to take them away. Likewise, not let the one who is in the field turn back. What's he say? Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life shall preserve it. I tell you, on that night, there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken. The Greek word is paralambano. This is important. I'm going to spell it for you. Para, P-A-R-A, lambano is L-A-M-B-A-N-O. Just write that down. Paralambano is the Greek word. One will be taken, paralambano. The other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, paralambano. The other will be left. This is, uh, we're not sure if this is original. That's why it's bracketed. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, paralambano, the other will be left. And answering, they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the body is, there also will will the vultures be gathered. Jesus is saying once again, it's going to be an obvious thing, just like the plain as the nose on your face. One will be taken, the other left. Taken to what? Paralambano is only used, I think, about six times by Jesus in regard to old, excuse me, in, in regard to future events as uh, related to the second coming. Uh, Jesus uses it in John 14. He says, I go and prepare a place for you and I will receive you to myself, Paralambano, receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be what? Also. Paralambano is the idea of Bringing someone close to you. It has the idea of intimate fellowship. One will be taken, one will be left. Now, I know some people have tried to argue that one taken is taken in judgment and the other one left is is left or preserved. I don't think that that's what it's saying here. I think it's very obvious in the flow of the context with the illustrations of Noah and Lot, the one taken is taken out before what comes. The judgment. Do you remember how I called this boom, boom eschatology? 
Didn't you all love that? Here's what I think is going on. It's righteous out, judgment on the wicked. Noah and Lot. Everybody got it? Those are the illustrations Jesus gave. The Greek word for taken is paralambano. It's not taken in judgment. It's taken to the Lord. It's taken to his uh, bosom, if you will. It's where I am there, you may be also. You will be taken or rescued before the judgment comes. The people of God have not been appointed to wrath. Aren't you glad? Before the wrath comes, God will take his people out from danger. Now, this is what Revelation 7 is all about. All of that was preamble. That means preliminary. (laughs) That is why I said, we'll see if we get through Revelation 7 tonight. But now here's what we all want to see. We know that we've come to what seal? Seal number six. I showed you how seal number seven, the famous seventh seal, is not broken until Revelation 8. So between Revelation 6 and Revelation 8, we have, for all you mathematicians, Revelation 7. So what would we expect if the order is chronological? And you'll, you can read a bunch of commentaries and then people say, it is chronological, it's not chronological. Well, the beginning of chapter 7, verse 1 said, after this, right? So I take that as chronological and, I, and I'm going to show you why. Before you can have the wrath of God come, we've been watching this principle that the people of God are not appointed to wrath. Now, I've made a distinction between persecution and wrath. I've made a distinction between tribulation and wrath. They're two different things. Tribulation, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Anybody have a tough day lately? Just raise up your hand. Anybody have? Anybody tribulate lately? Somebody call you up. How's your day? I'm tribulating. It's biblical. Well, maybe you feel like you've been tribulating lately. That might feel like a little bit of a southern accent, but you know what I'm saying. Life can have trouble. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, there is a difference between having trouble and experiencing the wrath of God. And if you're a Christian, the wrath of God has been appeased, paid for, propitiated, as we see in our Bibles. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, you will not experience the wrath of God. But I have to tell you, my friend, if you're not a Christian, John 3.36 says, the wrath of God abides on you. You might say, well, why? The reason is, is because you're still in your sins. You've got to receive the free gift of Jesus' atoning sacrifice for you at the cross. And the wrath of God was satisfied in Jesus. God put his love on display at the cross. But you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the wrath of God moves from you because it was laid on him at the cross. That's the amazing good news of the gospel. Hey, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the time. Don't wait another moment. Don't risk it, my friend. Just say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that you took the wrath of God for me. I believe that you died for my sin 
and took my punishment. Thank you for loving me. I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord, my King, and my God. My friend, that's the most important decision you can ever make. And if you opened your heart or maybe rededicated your life, we would love to know. Write us at walkintruth.com. Reach out to us at walkintruth.com. Tell us about your decision. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. And you can reach out to us through the website. Hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. And last week, our church was doing Vacation Bible School, or VBS, and it was a great week. The kids were learning about ROAR, when uh, you know life is unpredictable, life can be scary, life can be wild. We can have worries and troubles and sadness. Life is wild, but God is good. Hey, we didn't have a Wednesday night service last week, but we're turning to our normal schedule, and we're going to get back to the book of Job, studying Job chapter 11, as we look at the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. Now, the Wednesday night worship service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona uh, happens at 7 p.m. We have a time of worship. We get into the Word of God, and we have a time of koinonia, or fellowship. Now, when you go to walkintruth.com, just click on the Visit tab. You can get information and directions about the midweek service and the book of Job, and much, much more. You can download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app, which is the great church behind Walk in Truth. When you go to your app store, just look for the red logo with the pillars, download it today, and you can keep on keep up on what's going on. We'd love to have you come on out, love to have your family come on out, so check it out today. Now come back on Tuesday for more of this amazing teaching about the 144,000 in Revelation 7. Until next time, may God richly bless you and your family will catch you there. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.